Welcome to the Therapy Deconstructed Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Wims, therapist, coach, and a UK chartered counseling psychologist. So my mission here is to talk about therapy in a way that's easy to understand and to dispel any misunderstandings and rumors about what therapy is, who it's for, and who it's not for. This podcast is my way of deconstructing the conventional wisdom and the media narratives about therapy and explaining what's what. I will offer you the tools and support needed to live the life you've always dreamed of living. So together, we can use our resources and understanding to help you to take advantage of this beautiful thing and live a life with the most possibilities. So let's pull back this curtain and remove the mystery, the secrecy, and the stigma attached to the whole thing. Have you ever sought advice from someone? Maybe it was a good friend or maybe it was a therapist. Either the advice turned out to be helpful or it didn't, but I imagine you ended up feeling some way about yourself and the person as a result of that advice. So today I'm going to talk about, in therapy, why it's not a good idea for the therapist to give advice. And it's a common misunderstanding, I think. Uh, Therapists do give advice. In fact, it's probably one of the most common questions I get about therapy, and that's around giving advice. I'm Dr. Bonnie Wims, and I'm your host of Therapy Deconstructed. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ins and outs and good and bad and uh, all the challenges around what it means to get advice from a therapist. But first, I thought I'd tell you a quick story about my training days and the funny little thing about how advice works sometimes. So when I went into training, you know, everyone who I think goes into training to become a therapist or psychologist as myself you know, we're honestly good people who really want to help people. And I think we might even go into it thinking that we're going to give people advice. And so it's kind of a shock to the system when we do start therapy training that we are told very quickly that although that strong urge to give advice is going to be there, it's something we need to fight and it's something uh, we need to be really aware of and how giving advice in therapeutic setting is not really appropriate. So this is something that we were told probably from day one to resist this urge. And we all spoke about it because we felt the pull. In fact, it wasn't always sort of an undertow. It was blatant. People coming into therapy saying, I need your advice. I need to be told what to do, or I need to get your opinion on what I should do. And so that's something that, you know, we would come back into our supervision with our tutors with this question around, everybody wants it. Why can't we give this advice? So just to explain to you how it works or how it worked in my school anyway, we go into classes, learn about theory and everything around therapy, but we also are supplied with supervisors. And these supervisors are trained, licensed professionals who run supervision groups and In school, you'll come to your supervision group every week, probably with three or four other trainees, and you will discuss anonymously 
clients that you're working with. You won't talk about names. You won't talk about any sort of demographic information, but you will talk about the concerns that they're bringing. And especially you'll talk about things that you as a trainee feel you need help with. So we would come into this supervision weekly. We talk about clients. We talk about struggles. And early days, you know, we have a lot of struggles, to be honest with you. It's something that, you know, it's a, it's a very rigorous training. In addition to that, we would have placements. And these are real facilities that are using student therapists to provide often low-income or sliding-scale therapy to people. And as this is provided, the placement would provide experienced licensed professional to give us supervision at the facility also. So rest assured, we were all very well supervised and the clients were aware that they were working with student therapists and the trade-off was they got more, you know, reasonable fees And we, as the therapist, received the required supervision hours that we needed in order to qualify. So in these, you know, placement supervisions and then certainly in the school classroom situations with supervision, this idea around advice came up a lot. And supervision was there to help us understand maybe what key points we were missing or to to look at the, the kind of deeper things that people were actually looking for in therapy. In this group of supervision, it's not uncommon for new students, new therapists to really struggle with some of the concepts because we are understanding therapy at a deeper level than we ever have before. So I had a classmate who brought a client, a specific client into supervision repeatedly over the weeks And really kept talking about the fact that this woman was really wanting advice from her. Inevitably, all of us would fail and give advice. And it would just be one of those kind of blurt out something because we sort of felt backed into a corner where somebody's asking for it, asking for it, and we just don't have the language or the training to know how to speak to that. And my girlfriend, my colleague, was no different than that. So This urge to help along with the client asking for advice, you know, it was just a perfect cocktail that just led to the inevitable fail, as I say. So one week, this colleague, girlfriend of mine, came into supervision and and she just immediately shamefully admitted that she had caved and completely bought into giving advice to this client who had been begging for it for weeks. And she was speaking, the client was speaking particularly about her loneliness. And my colleague just blurted out, get a cat. (laughs) And when she said this, you know, she burst into tears and all of us very uh, rudely started to laugh. Because I think for us, we realized that, you know, we, by the grace of God, (laughs) that's where what we would have said. Um, So it was just something that she gave in a moment of really wanting to help and really wanting to give this client some respite, you know, some words of advice. Obviously, getting a cat was something that came from my colleague's sort of perception. The client had never talked about a cat, had never spoken about, you know, this hidden love for cats and wishing she could have one. So it wasn't 
helpful, and it certainly wasn't something that came out of listening to the client and trying to help her come to a conclusion of what would be most helpful for her. So that's just a little example of where advice has gone wrong. But I wanted to give you some some more real practical clinical reasons as to why most likely the therapist that you work with will not be giving you advice. So, you know, advice is one of those things. It's kind of defined as guidance or recommendations with regard to helping you with your future action. You know, something's coming up or something's a, a dilemma for you and you would like to know what to do. So why on earth wouldn't a therapist give that? You know, why wouldn't we be helpful in that manner? Person's asking for help. They're asking for advice. What would you do in this situation? Why wouldn't we do it? So I have a few reasons here that will hopefully help you understand. The number one is that, you know, no matter how I attempt to leave my own baggage and judgments and biases outside the therapy door before I join a client, you know, I'm a human and I come to every situation with my own ideas, with my own life experience, with my own sense of what's right or wrong. So even with those experiences sort of metaphorically left outside the door, they're not, you know, there's, there's an element of myself that I bring to the work. And so anything that I would think of that would be advice for you is going to be colored by my own biases, my own prejudices, my own experiences in the world. And that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for what you should do, not what I would do. And that's what you're going to get with advice. Another thing about, another sort of reason why we don't give advice is that chances are before you came to therapy, and this isn't something I take as a negative, but chances are you probably tried all sorts of other things before you finally decide on therapy. Therapy's time-consuming, can be expensive, and it's just not something that people, unless they have experience at it, usually go to as their first option when they've got a dilemma. So you've talked to your friends, you've talked to your family, you've talked to your spouse, you've talked to the guy on your bus on the way into work, you've asked people for advice. And so far, the advice you've gotten hasn't helped you. So you're still looking, you know, you're still searching. And if I, you you come into the room and you ask me and I give you advice, I just join the group, you know, I join, I might as well just go into the room and join all the rest of the people who freely gave you advice, freely gave you their idea of what you should do. And that's fine, except therapy is different. There's a therapeutic relationship, as we call it, that needs to develop between the client and the therapist, a trusting therapeutic relationship where you as the client coming into therapy can start to believe that I am really there for you to validate you, to listen to you. So if I take a role that is just like your spouse, well, what are you paying me for, you know? So the relationship's special, it's unique, and it has to exist in a way that you end up trusting it and that you don't feel like it's just like any other relationship out there, or else why would you do it? The third reason I would like to talk to you about is this idea of when we ask advice, what are we telling ourselves, you know? So 
I've got a dilemma and I go to my best friend and I say, listen, I've got this problem and I've got this option or I've got this option. What do you think? What would you do? What should I do? Built into that question is the idea that you know what to do for me better than I do. So it's that you are more competent, maybe more knowledgeable, maybe more experienced, maybe just more than me. And you can tell me what to do. And within that is a hierarchy that says, uh, I'm going to an expert that's going to tell me what to do because I am not that and I need someone to give me that information. When we're working with people in therapy, the idea is, and of course, is right, that you are the expert of you. You may have some information that you have trouble accessing due to defenses you've put up over the years because of trauma or difficulties that you've gone through. You may have difficulty accessing what's right or wrong because you're insecure and you haven't been given the gift of belief in yourself. So you don't trust yourself. But that's the symptom. The problem lies within your self-worth and your self-belief, not advice on what to do. The work in therapy is on building up the sense that you are the expert. I listen so that I can feed back to you what I hear you saying so that you can begin to then make judgments for yourself from a place of confidence, from a place of self-worth. So it's about feeding back what I hear you say, what I believe you say you want. And then we talk about that. We make that explicit. The implicit becomes explicit. And we talk about what's inside your head, what you don't maybe share all the time, so that you can begin to gain mastery over what it is you want to do. It's trust. Trust that I know you and I validate who you are, not that I think I know better than you. The fourth reason is something that's kind of common uh, in all sorts of uh, situations with advice, maybe not just the therapeutic room, but if I ask you what you would do or what I should do in this situation, and you tell me, you say, I, sh- I would do ABC, and I go off and I do ABC, I'm kind of damned if I do, damned if I don't, because if it works out, great, but I've got to give you credit. You told me what to do. I didn't come up with this by myself. And if it doesn't work out, I get to abdicate any sort of responsibility. It wasn't my fault. You told me what to do. It didn't work out. Wouldn't you know better? Like, why wouldn't you, why would you have told me such a thing? So we can blame someone else when it doesn't go right. Or we have to give credit to someone else if it does go right. So we don't build on anything for ourselves when we ask advice. And we lack confidence in our own, on our own ability. And taking advice someone else and acting on it doesn't help us build our own sense of self-worth and self-esteem. So this is sort of related to that, but the idea, the... The next one is this idea of trusting yourself, right? So if you're like me, you see stuff all around now about self-care, 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 self-care. And um, I get a little tired of it because I know when we use a word a lot, it starts to lose its meaning. What do you think of when you think of self-care? I think of, you know, nicely scented eucalyptus candle, massages, 
maybe a long bubble bath. But self-care is really about giving yourself the gift of trust, that you trust yourself. So think about it. You know, you get up in the day and you say, I'm going to eat right today. I don't care that there's that chocolate bar in the cupboard. I'm eating right. I'm not going to eat that today. And then two, three o'clock in the afternoon, you're starving and you haven't had lunch because you're busy. And before you know it, you're standing in the middle of the kitchen and you're, half the chocolate bar is gone. There's, a, there's sort of a, <laughs> you know, a lack of trust there because you've stated something in the morning and then you didn't carry through for yourself. You didn't give yourself the gift of eating right that you planned to. There's a lack of trust. And over time, you won't trust that you can do things that you say internally because you don't act on them. So in order to learn how to trust yourself, part of it is beginning to sort of listen deeply to that inner voice that does know what to do and then doing it, you know? You might get it right, you might get it wrong, but doing what you want, doing what you've said you're going to do, little by little, inch by inch, you begin to trust yourself. Blaming the therapist is the next one. You know, it's around that abdicating responsibility. But there's also the shame then, because if I come into therapy and I've become dependent on my therapist to tell me what to do, here's the next thing. What do I do now? Here's the next thing. What would Bonnie say? In the early days of therapy, that's quite common. But eventually, eventually, the whole point of therapy is that you begin to answer those questions for yourself because who am I? Who am I to tell you what to do? You know you and you know what you need. It might be covered up with some, some other things, like I said, but as we work together and we begin to sort of peel away the layers of distrust of yourself and low self-esteem that maybe came from different things that have happened to you in your life, we begin to reveal this inner knowing. And that leads to the next one, which is you really do know the answer. Part of the reason sometimes we ask a million people for advice is because we're waiting for the person to tell us the thing we already know. We're waiting for the person to tell us the thing that we really want to do. But if so-and-so tells me to do it, then I can give myself permission. So this idea that we don't know the answer when we do, we really do. And that's back again toward the idea of trusting ourselves. So these are some reasons about why advice isn't really what we're looking for. It's not something that we're giving and that people who are coming to therapy need to recognize it's not, it's not something that's helpful to look for, actually. Our role in therapy is to explore, identify, and help you develop you know, and we do this through reflecting back what you say, not coming up with my own ideas about what you said. You ever had someone interrupt you right in the middle of what you're saying and they say something that has nothing to do with what you, you were just about to say and you feel completely misunderstood in that moment? No, that's not what I was going to say. So in therapy, we listen. We listen a lot. I speak too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a quiet therapist. But the main part of my job is listening to what you're saying, really listening. So when you say something to me, I can reflect back to you. I heard you say this. You said this to me. Were you speaking the truth or were you 
avoiding the truth? What was that about what you just said there? We hear you in therapy. At least that's what we try to do. That is the goal, to hear you, to validate you. And in that therapeutic room, your questions will get answered. Your advice will come. It just won't come from us. It will come from you. And that's absolutely the most important place that it should come from. You should be working, we should be working together this whole time to fire me so that you get stronger on your own two feet and you begin to make your own decisions. Like I said, whether it works out or it doesn't work out, the point is that you made a choice for yourself and you tried and then you try again. The trust that you build within yourself is far more important than any trust you have of someone else because you're going to be with you the whole ride. I may be there for part of it. I may join you to assist you and help you explore what is it that's really going on, but that's temporary. Your relationship with you is permanent, and that's the relationship that you need to work on in order to trust yourself for guidance so that you know what to do next. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will look to see you next month. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you've learned a thing or two that you can apply today. To explore further or to get in touch with me, just visit my website at bonniewims.com. There you can book a complimentary 30-minute online video session to ask me any questions and determine if working together feels right for you, or you can submit your questions about therapy, and I'll do my best to offer answers on an upcoming episode. Remember, therapy might not be for everyone, but it may be right for you.